good to have everybody here today. If you are visiting with us again, we're honored to have you as our guest. Uh, I thought it was great to see 11 babies up here, 10 families up here this morning. That was awesome. We actually had two more that weren't able to make it. So that would have been 13 babies up here and actual 12 families that in the last year and a couple of months have had a child here. I just know one thing, that's job security, okay? That's <laughs> what that is, that's job security right there. And that's awesome. So, hey, uh, in two weeks is Mother's Day. And I don't know if you saw a little, there's a little announcement in the bulletin kind of in the middle down there. And what we were going to do on Mother's Day, we did about three years ago. And we've only done it one other time. We're going to do Bowtie Sunday for Mother's Day. We're going to dress up and do that for Mother's Day. So all the guys, if you want to, we just had a fun time last time we did this and just did Bowtie Sunday. So if you want to do Bowtie Sunday with me and Mike and Austin, we'd love for you to join us. We don't want to be the only three clowns that are doing that. Okay? Isn't that right? So if you can help us out with that, that would be great. That's just something that we just want to have fun with and just do that for our moms. And moms, we are looking forward to that day when we can honor you as well. So when you think about documents, when you think of some of the documents that have authority, what are some of the documents that actually just come to your head? I mean, just come just right there. When I think about documents that have authority, the first one that came to my mind was the Constitution. The Constitution has 4,543 words. You can actually read through it in about a half an hour. Many people get it in a little book that they hold in their pocket, and they keep it in their pocket all the time. Why? Because it's a document that has authority. It has power. And then when I think of other documents, I think about my license. I think about my Social Security card. I think about my passport. And I think about my will. Some of you went, whoa, will? Yes, it is one of those things that has authority as well. And I would say, though, I would say, I would say, now I'm going to be a little biased here. I would say that the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount, has had a greater impact than any other document on the face of the earth. Now, I would say that. Many people would not, and I'm biased at that. But I would say that it has more authority just in those three chapters than anything else on the face of this earth. It's 2,247 words. 2,247 words, and you can read it in about 15 minutes. And it has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of time. And if we understood and if we actually put it all into practice, I believe it would change our lives. Now, this is our last sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. Last sermon on the Sermon on the Mount. And for the first time, we're able to see the audience's reaction to the sermon that Jesus gave. And let me just ask you a question. What has been your reaction to this sermon? What has been your reaction to this sermon? This is the last one lesson we're going to do until we do this again, maybe five years or ten years. Who knows? When you read it, when you read it, does it make you have a response? Do you respond to it? 
Does it cause you to walk a different path? How has it challenged you to seek Christ in this kingdom ethic that he has talked about? How does it do that? And when you read these, his words, do they speak to you? And if they don't, why not? And if they do so, how have they helped you move closer to the Father? Brothers and sisters, the words that Jesus spoke on that hillside, they had power, and they still have power today. They still have power today, and that power is everlasting power. The words spoken by Jesus were spoken with authority. Why? Because he spoke the very words of God. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a minute, but here's what I want to do today. I'm going to, I'm going to lay out a case for you, okay? I'm going to lay out a case for you with Jesus' words and God's words only. I'm going to lay out a case for you about how important the words of Jesus that he spoke on this earth are. I'm going to wait, lay out a case that his words are weighted. His words are weighted, okay? And I'm going to come back to that in a minute. So let's look, let's look first of all at the reaction, the reaction of those on the hillside. All right, here's a scripture that Lincoln read for us. Lincoln, you did a great job, even though you didn't have a mic. Great job. So here it is. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Okay, so the audience, the audience, after they see Jesus and after they hear him, they perceived, they actually recognized that Jesus' words, the words, his teaching was spoken with power. They recognized it. His words had the power to even transform their lives. And they contemplated what he said. And his words have the power for, to help us even rethink the nature and character of our lives. It can even help give hope to those who are burdened. Jesus' words give grace to the broken and mercy to the disdained. And following Jesus' ascension, Jesus' words, Jesus' words, following his ascension, Jesus' words were spoken by his disciples. And when he, they spoke his words, what happened to them? Many of them were what? They were killed, were they not? They were martyred because he actually, the disciples actually spoke the words of Jesus. They perished because of the boldness they had and the belief they had in the words of Jesus that they were truth and they had authority and they had power. And when they spoke them, other people did not like that. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, do his words, do his words today carry the same impact in our lives? Do Jesus' words carry the same impact in our lives? I hope they do. I hope they do. All right, before we go any further, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. God, we come before you this morning, and we want you to open our eyes and our ears so that we can hear. And so that we can understand and so that we can see. 
Lord, you're a gracious God who loves us. And we thank you for allowing your son to come here to this earth and speak your words so that we could hear from you. And Lord, may we internalize those words and take them and love them and cherish them. May we listen to them and may we obey them. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. All right. Before Jesus, before Jesus, and remember, I'm trying to lay out this case of how important his words are. Before Jesus went to the cross, before he went to the cross, this was his words that he said. Listen to this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Okay, here's a question. Here's the question which we're going to be wrestling with this morning, okay? It's how do we view the words of Jesus? How do we view the words of Jesus? How do we view those words from his mouth? The red letters that you see in the Bible, those red letters that you read, do they have the same impact back then as they do today, or do they have the same impact today as they did back then? Jesus asked the question, and here's the question that Jesus asked. This is from his mouth. I'm trying to lay out this, this trying to give you what I want you to see. Here it is. Here's the words. John 5, verse 47. How will you believe my words? That's from Jesus. That's what he says. He's asking us. How will we believe his words. And this question, this question is actually following a section of Scripture in which the Jews are seeking to kill Jesus. They're seeking to kill him because he is claiming, he's claiming to be equal to God. And the words he is speaking are not his own, but come from his Father. Jesus is claiming whoever hears my words and actually does them and believes in him will have eternal life. For those on that hillside, for those that were listening to Jesus, for those that heard that sermon on the mount as they were doing that, those who heard firsthand, there were two reactions that occurred. Two reactions that you see in that little scripture right there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The two reactions were this. The first one we're going to look at is they were astonished. They were astonished. Look at the verse again. And when Jesus finished these sayings, that word sayings there is the word logos. It's a word for which we get word. In the beginning was a word. And when Jesus finished these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. They were amazed. They were astounded. All right, so the word astonished. I look, this, is, this is so cool. The word astonished in the original language has the idea of being stunned to such a degree as to nearly lose one's composure. What do you think that means? I think it means, in other words, it blew their minds. That's what it means. That's what that word means. It actually blew their minds. So what was it? What was it that Jesus said in that sermon? Was it just one thing? Or was it the whole thing that actually just blew their minds? And let me ask you a question. Do the words of Jesus blow our minds? Do the words of Jesus actually blow our minds? 
do we hold the words of Jesus with such astonishment, with such astonishment as those did on the mountainside? Do I read these chapters, and after I read those chapters, do I see Jesus' words as exceptional, as extraordinary, as unique? Do I see them as that? Are our minds blow when we read his word? And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm going to lay my case out before you. The red-letter words of Jesus are weighted. They're weighted. They carry weight. And why do they carry weight? That's the, why do they carry weight? Because Jesus' words were spoken. The words that he spoke came directly from his Father. And those words are truth, those words are life, those words are power, and those words are eternal. Amen. Jesus said this, John chapter 5, verse 24, Whoever hears my words, my words, and believes in him who sent me, my Father, he has eternal life. So let me ask you, are Jesus' words important? Yes. Do they have the power of eternity in them? Yes, they do. But James, 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 you may say, whoa, 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 wait, time out. Aren't all, aren't all the words of the New Testament important? Yes, but. Yes, but. Yes, but. God weighted Jesus' words. His son's words, God weighted his words. Do you remember at the transfiguration, what's the response? What's the response of the father at the transfiguration? All right, so he, this is Matthew 17, he, Peter, was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well, well pleased, say the last three words with me, listen to him. God said, I want you to listen to his words. I want you to listen to his words. He's my son in whom I am well pleased. God waited Jesus' words. He not only waited his words, but Jesus himself. Okay, so let's go. God waited his words, but Jesus himself waited his own words. Okay, so remember... The words out of his mouth, the words that Jesus spoke, were from his Father. They were a matter of life and death. They were a matter of the narrow way or the wide way. That's what he says. And this is what Jesus says, okay? Listen to this. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Okay, and as we discussed two weeks ago, we read this passage two weeks ago. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them and practices them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Okay, how could Jesus say such these things? How could he have such authority? Jesus says his words are power. His words are power. They're everlasting power. Okay, so do you remember the teachers and the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests and, and, and 
they, when Jesus said some of these words, they were incredulous. In fact, they were infuriated at Jesus' claim because they believed Jesus was claiming to do, be what? To be God. That's what they were claiming. And they didn't like it. And they were infuriated and they wanted to kill him. Jesus was placing his words on the same level as God's words. And in John chapter 10, verse 33, all of those people actually picked up stones. It just said the Jews picked up stones to what? To stone him because of his words, because he claimed his words were from his father. The crowd, the crowd on that mountainside, let's go back to the mountainside. The crowd on that mountainside, they knew that these words that were coming out of Jesus were different. They were new. They had power. They had something that touched their heart. It was something that made a difference in their lives. Jesus' teaching and this renewed ethic, this renewed kingdom ethic was nothing new. This was something that was from the beginning. This was something that God had from the very beginning. This was the kingdom ethic that God wanted. And he, Jesus takes the Old Testament and he fulfills that Old Testament when he says Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but he came to do what? He came to fulfill it. He came to make sure that this is exactly what he, God wanted to be the law. And so he gives that to them. But James, who gave Jesus this authority? Okay, look at, look at this passage here. So Matthew 7, verse 29. This is, goes back. Let's talk about the authority. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribe. Okay, let me give you the definition of authority. Here's the definition of authority. One having power or authority over domain or sphere of influence. Having the, power, having the power or authority over a domain or sphere of influence. Again, why are the words of Jesus weighted? Why are they weighted? Why should they be so authoritative in our lives? And by the way, James, why in the world are you just so passionate about this? Good question. Here's the reason. And here's the reason why I believe Jesus' words are so, so important to our lives. Because the words spoken by God in creation were Jesus. When God said, let there be light, Jesus was there. When God said, let there be light, the words that came out of God's mouth were Jesus. They were Jesus. Look at John. John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the what? Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now let's drop down to verse 14. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh that word that came out of his mouth that was there at the beginning, that was there on Mount Sinai, that word, that word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
Brothers and sisters, surely, surely we can see the authoritative nature of Jesus' words. Jesus was God, is God, and was with God, and was God from the very beginning. And he came to this earth, and when he opened his mouth, what he said was the exact thing that God wanted him to say. His father, he said the words that he spoke were his father's words. And the reason he did this is because, look at this next verse. He came to utter the very words of God. Now, there's a tension that lies in this, isn't there? There's kind of a tension that says, whoa. Is it, James, is it your claim that Jesus' words matter more than others? I'm not making that claim. I'm allowing God and Jesus to make that claim. All I'm doing is just reading the Scripture. Look at this next verse, John 14, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father, Jesus speaking, and that the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Jesus' words were authoritative. They are authoritative because he speaks the words of his Father. Okay, so we have a choice. We have a choice. How are we going to view these words of God? How are we going to view these words of Jesus? Jesus' spoken words. How are we going to view them? When those on the hillside, when those on the hillside listened to Jesus, when they heard his words, when they heard his words, they were astonished. And they knew that what was coming out of his mouth had authority. It had authority. It rang true for them. His words carried weight. Okay, I'm going to take a little side road here, okay? So let me leave that right here, and I'm going to take a little side road. God, in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite wisdom, knows we are fickle people, right? I mean, we are. Come on, let's just be honest with ourselves. We're mostly, all of us are fickle people. And in Matthew chapter 23, Matthew chapter 23, this is the place where Jesus condemns the Pharisees, and the scribes, and he calls them hypocrites. He spends most of that chapter, he spends most of that chapter calling them out for their misuse of Scripture as well as, as well as a binding upon people that God never said, nor did he mean. Okay? And how many times, how many times have we heard people say, well, I think, well, I... I kind of, it's kind of maybe this way. How many times have I done that? How many times have we done that? And there are too often, too often, we make the Bible say what we want it to say. And we're not alone. Everybody else does it as well. I want you to listen to God's word, God's word from Isaiah. Listen to this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. God is saying, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, 
so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what's God saying here? What's God saying? God is saying, I operate on a totally different plane than you as humans. What is in my mind, the mind of God, my thoughts, my way, the way I think are much higher than the way you think as a human. As a human being, brothers and sisters, I'm not able to fully comprehend what is in the mind of God. Anybody here can do that? None of us can. We can't fully comprehend what is in the mind of God. His thoughts, his ways are truly much higher than our ways and our thoughts. And I don't think it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch to say this. That God's words and the words of the Father and the words of the Son are much higher than my words. His teaching is higher than my teaching. His proclamation is higher than my proclamation. And listen, in God's explanation, his interpretation is much higher than my opinion or my personal interpretation of his words. Brothers and sisters, listen, so important here. God does not ask us to interpret his words. He asks us to listen and understand his words. And there's, that's a total difference, a total difference in the way we approach Scripture. And this is why, this is why Jesus was so forcefully against the scribes and the Pharisees. And that's why he called them hypocrites, because they were taking stuff that God never said, nor did he ever mean, and they were binding it on others. Okay, so that's my side road there. Let's get there. Let's go back and let's, let's get back to our regular words. I want you to listen to Jesus again. John chapter 14. Here we go. Jesus answered him. This is Jesus speaking. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, Jesus is saying, but the Father's who sent me. Okay, so when, when we read passages like this, does Jesus mean what he says? Does Jesus mean what he says about the nature of his words? Does he mean it? Absolutely he does. Okay, so if we go back two chapters, if we go back two chapters, we're going to go back to John chapter 12. This is John chapter 14. John chapter 12, there's an intensity of the words here. The intensity of the words here are ratcheted up to a level that ought to frighten our souls. No, really. Listen to this. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. I'm going to bet, I'm going to bet Jesus meant what he said. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to stake my life 
I'm going to stake my life on putting the words of Jesus into practice. I'm going to stake my life on that. Why? Because they're life. Because they're eternal life. Because they come from the Father. Because they have power. They have power, everlasting power. So do I wait the words of Jesus? Absolutely, I do. Why? Why? Remember? Remember why? Because God, his proclamation about his son, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God never gave another endorsement like the one he gave his son. He never gave another endorsement like the one he gave his son. The authority of Jesus' words came from God himself. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Has been given to me. Okay, so here's the question. How will we believe the words of Jesus? Remember Jesus' words? How will you believe my words? We have a choice. We have a choice. Where am I going to put my faith? And in whom am I going to put my faith? Who am I going to listen to? And remember, that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is about. And Jesus is asking us to look back through that whole 2,247 words and internalize them, understand them, because they can help us in our lives with forgiving others, in our marriage, the way we keep our word, with how we're to treat other people, how we're supposed to act, our motives, the, the concepts of our heart. They're there to help us understand how to live, how to live. So, I end with this question. How will we believe the words spoken by Jesus? Let's stand and sing.